Hello, everyone, and welcome to the second episode of Retrospectives, the podcast where we look at old games through modern lenses. My name is Patrick Arthur, and I'm joined by my co-host, James Twirlings, once again. How are you doing today, James? Yeah, I'm doing pretty great. Um, This episode is really exciting for me uh, because the game we're going to be playing, uh, or have played rather, is one of my favorites. So I've been really excited to start discussing it today. Yeah, I um, I got stuck for a while, which we will uh, get into later. <laughs> but uh, but first up, I want to thank everyone who listened to the first episode of our podcast and gave us much needed feedback. It's a bit rough in part, so hopefully today's episode is even better. Just to re-summarize what we do here on the podcast, basically James and I independently play an old game. And we do not talk to one another about it at all until today. So we've both played uh, Banjo-Kazooie today. Uh, James chose that one. And we haven't shared a single word apart about it. And we've constantly had to tell each other to shut up. That's, so we a, that's, a, that's a bit of a lie. There's been one or two very brief spoilers. But uh, we've tried, we have tried to keep it to a minimum, yes. There, ha- there have been one or two slips. But on the whole, we have... Uh, being disciplined and not talked about it so uh we are both eager to uh get into it today we uh want to replicate the discussions that we often had about more modern games live on air so um as i said this week we're doing uh james's game banjo because we last last week we did my game doom so uh, James, what I'll do is I'll hand the reins over to you since I've, I'd never played Banjo-Kazooie until today and you can uh, give us a basic rundown of what Banjo is all about. Yeah, thanks Pat. So um, Banjo is a 3D platformer that was developed for the N64 probably roughly 20 years ago now, so it's quite old. It's a 3D platformer that had a, a de-emphasized focus on platforming and combat. Anyway, the main game involves running around big open levels looking for things to pick up and collect, which allow you to get to more levels that allow you to pick up more stuff. When you play the game, you take control as both a bear and his bird, and they control as a single character that use kind of their strengths and weaknesses to form cool moves that you can do. I'm just going to give a quick spoiler warning before we begin. Although the story of this game isn't particularly important, we will be discussing everything about the game. Um, The story begins with Banjo's sister Tootie being kidnapped by a witch, and you spend the entire game trying to get her back. So we chose this game because we thought it would be interesting to discuss how 3D platformers have changed over the years, because apart from the notable exception of Mario Odyssey last year, there haven't been a whole lot in recent times, so we thought it'd be a good way to look back and see how things have changed since then. With that in mind, almost every design in this game was made to emphasize like a feeling of exploration and like a sense of wonder um, that you get when running around the levels, because to me the main gameplay loop is throwing yourself into the level and then running around scaring every nook and cranny for jigsaw pieces that are the main collectible in the game and that allow you to get further and further through the levels. Uh, Because of this, a lot of the traditional platforming combat is a bit toned down in order to make the levels a bit easier. So Patrick, my first question today is, did you like that they did this in order to emphasize the exploration, or did you find that the challenge was a bit on the lower end for your tastes? So you're basically asking... um in making combat and platforming less important did it get too easy yes i i i don't know about you but for me the earlier levels in the games were pretty straightforward but the last couple of levels were kicking my ass (laughs) um particularly uh the last level in the game the clockwood 
I died a lot trying to scale that massive tree because if you fall, you fall all the way to the bottom and lose a lot of health. But what I was going to say is I don't think the difficulty comes from the you know intrinsic difficulty of the platforming. It more comes from the poor controls. The poor controls. That's interesting because I um I basically finished the game in one to two, maybe three sittings because I enjoyed it so much. And I, one of the things that stood out to me was that the controls still hold up to this day. I still felt that my character did exactly what I wanted to, um, and that I had more than enough options at my hands at all time to be able to do whatever the game threw at me. Um, okay, so I, I strongly disagree. I think the controls are horrifically bad. Like, the double jump is all right, but when you do a combat move, like a combat roll or, or the punch... Uh, you're yes. kind of locked into an animation and you have to move forward while you do it. And there's a big, long, ugly pause between taking a particular action and doing anything else. But but the real problem is the camera. Uh, because the camera is kind of locked to particular axes, with, with modern platformers, when you hold down the analog stick, it rotates around smoothly so you can find the exact angle you want to have your character at. With uh, Banjo-Kazooie, you're locked into, uh, I don't know, maybe eight eight directions. When Whenever you tap the analog stick, it moves you over 15 degrees or 25 degrees or so, which made, um, which made particularly the curvy platforming sections an absolute nightmare. Yeah, so for me, those sections, um, when you're traversing them, there's a button that you can hold down that centers the camera behind your character, and that made those a lot easier for me. But I do agree, the camera uh, at modern standards is absolute garbage, right? You can't, you'd have no fine control over it, um, and oftentimes I found that some of the scenery would get in my way. I think it's strange that you thought that the um, controls were good. Uh, stuff like the... I mean, maybe maybe it is mainly just the camera, but stuff like uh, there's a high jump that you can do on specific yes. platforms, yes. and you didn't really know where you were going with the high jump because you couldn't easily see what was coming up next. So there was a lot of guesswork involved with using that high jump. Um, I usually found that the level design... So in the game, there are these big green circular pads, and then... Well, throughout the game, you unlock of like an assortment of abilities, right? That you you start off with a few, and then you go through the game and you find more as each level progresses. Um, and then about like two thirds through the game, you have every ability. So one of these is the big circular pad, and you stand on it and you hold the jump button, and it springs you up quite far. Uh, I found that every level that utilized that mechanic. When you were walking towards it, you got a big... Like, you were able to take in the whole scene, and so you could see where you had to go once you got to it. But yeah, once you are on top of the pad, the camera angle is usually quite limited. Um, so I guess you have to rely on seeing it before you got there to do it. Um, yeah, so, so to return to your original question, I thought the game was a perfectly appropriate level of difficulty, although there was a major spike towards the end. Yes. But it's. Yes. It, I, I don't think the game is trying to present a, uh, I guess, a difficult experience. So I wouldn't, I don't hold that against it. Against it? Yeah, right. Yeah. Because, yeah, to me, the entire game is exploration, right? It's running around through the levels that are brightly colored, uh, have themes, for example. The main game is split up with a big hub world, and then throughout the hub world there are portals to smaller worlds, which have tightly designed themes, for example, like there's a snow level, and there's there's a bunch of underwater levels, and, you know, stuff like that. And each level kind of consists of a bunch of big 
big obvious landmarks and uh, little smaller ones for you to run around in and there's various challenges which reward you with items, right? Uh, so to me, most of the joy is running around and looking at everything. Uh, did you find that engaging? So um, here's, here's how I feel about the running around and the exploration. It was very enjoyable on my first run through a level because I, I agree that the levels are very aesthetically pleasing and it's almost like, and you get to tackle them in whatever order you choose because it's just a big open world. Yeah. So I'd go from place to place doing each cool thing. And then once I'd done a lap around, I'd be like, oh, I still have, you know, this many jiggies left, this many notes left. And that's when the fun started to drop off for me. Because while I enjoyed the initial exploration of the world, combing through the world, looking for bits and pieces was pretty miserable for me. It turned what was originally a joyous experience into a tedious chore. Exploration is fun when you want to do it, when you're compelled to do it, because you need to hit a certain jiggy and note percentage. It stops being as fun to me. I, I, I don't want to play spot the pixel or spot the hidden door that I can bash open to get another five notes. I want to explore the world, and then once I felt I've given it a good crack, I can leave it. But I never felt that way with Banjo-Kazooie. Yeah, so in the world there are two primary collectibles, the jigsaw pieces, which allow you to get to new levels, and these music notes, which there are about a hundred in each level with ten jigsaw pieces, and the music notes, uh, you also need a certain amount to progress through the game. So the way they work, however, is once you pick them up, um, they are added to your score for that level, and upon leaving the level, it saves your high score for the level and then resets the notes. So if you want to be the most efficient that you can, you have to get every single note in the level before you leave, or when you come back, you have to capture every single one again. Which and is that is a huge problem. Yeah. So I think that it has its ups and downs. I think there are some benefits, although for the most part, it's tedious. Name one. Well. Name okay. one benefit. So... One of the problems, well, not problems, but one of the design choices that they've made is specifically making the enemies in the game quite easy, because that allows you to easily traverse each level and doesn't get in the way of the exploration. With the notes, once you get up to about, because there's a hundred notes, and if you die, they reset as well. So once you get to about like 85 notes, every time you see an enemy, you're like, oh God, get away from me. If I die, I have to do all that again which for me works up until the point where you actually die. If you don't die, then that tension is really rewarding for me. But if you actually do die and have to do all of that again, it is a pain in the ass. I mean, I just would prefer to not do it again. I mean, yeah, I, and, um, I, I, know, I know, you know, there's tension there because it's boring and terrible to have to do it again. But I mean, you can say that of literally any dying in any game, you know, any game ever, right? Yes, yeah. dying is frustrating. But giving you a sense of frustration when we previously agreed that the point isn't to create a challenging experience doesn't make any sense to me. The point is for it to be this joyous world which you explore. Why are there even enemies in the game for Christ? <laughs> Just like if it's if I if I'm playing an exploration game, forcing me to retread my footsteps and remember exactly what I've collected and what I haven't is not fun. And it happened to me and I hated it and I was super frustrated. Okay. See, for me, I I played the game before, so when I was going through it I pretty much got every note, 
in my first go of the level every time, so it never was an issue for me. I, I missed maybe 12 notes in the entire game, um, just because I did die on the final level, and the final level is very big, and going through that again to get the notes was just not worth it for me. Um, overall, I know that the future game and the remake of the game actually removed the need to recollect all the notes. In the Xbox One version of Banjo, you once you've collected a note, it's collected forever. But one of the points I wanted to lead into is that at no time during collecting the notes did I feel that they were hidden in particularly hard-to-find places. They were mostly out in the open, which I think is the correct things for the designers to have done in order to reduce that kind of pixel-hunting frustration that you're talking about. It's not entirely gone, but they did. I think they did a good job of minimizing it for what you're, it's worth. Part of the problem is that the percentage of notes required to collect on each level it's is really high, high, right? Yeah. yeah. Once I got so, to the end game. I because I had collected pretty much everything as I was going, I would never came to a point where I had to go back. I never had to backtrack the entire time when I played. So um that was a big thing for me, but I did notice that you need there's a hundred jigsaw pieces in the game to collect in total. You need like ninety six of a hundred. You need ninety four. Ninety four of a hundred, which is just ridiculous. Like it's yeah. just it, that that is such a high bar to clear. Even the notes, you need ninety percent of all the notes. To, yeah, for example, um, Mario Odyssey came out last year, and there are eight hundred and thirty collectibles in that game. But I looked it up last night, and you only need a hundred and twenty to finish the game. And it's about is... three hundred odd to get the um the proper ending, though. Yeah, not even half to get the true ending. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that's somewhere that if we saw a new Banjo game today, I think that would be changed. I don't think you would need quite as much um, completion percentage to finish it. That's yeah, so the... it, it's not just the um, completion percentage either. If you go to a level, um, if you return to a level, everything is reset as if you hadn't done it before. Most notably, there's these things called Jinzos on each level. There's yes. five somewhat hidden uh, creatures on each level spread out across the map, and you've got to find all five. And if you do, you get a Jiggy. If you return to a level, you have no way to know if you don't remember every level perfectly whether you found the five Jinzos on that level before or not. So, because yes. they're all there, and you don't know if you found got the jiggy or not until you find all five jinzos. So, right. at one point, I was trying to get my final jiggies. I returned to a level, and I'm like, oh, I don't know if I've done them or not. I don't know if that's one of my two missing jiggies from this level. And that was similar to the notes, right? Like, if I've done it, just get rid of them. Let me, if I've collected it, let me know I've collected it in some way. Don't just have everything sitting there for no reason. Yeah. Absolutely, um, and that is definitely a sign of the game's age, I feel. If that game was made to today, absolutely you would not have to collect them again once you'd already collected them. So, one of the other things that I liked um, in regards to the notes was that they weren't particularly hidden anywhere. The entire level design of the game hands itself really well to not being overly complex. Um, to me, it feels as if many of the levels are quite small intentionally, uh, to help prevent the player getting lost. If they were if they were larger, you could probably spend a lot of time running around aimlessly. And to me, the si the small size, along with the fact that the levels are littered with big set piece landmarks, is really really beneficial to the game. For example, I think in almost every level there is a huge landmark right in the center to help orientate the player. 
Like, uh, in Clanker's Cavern, which is an underwater level involving a big metallic shark, the big metallic shark is always facing the direction of the entrance, so it's always really easy to kind of look to the center of the level and know where you are. And there's yeah, always... I mean, yeah, no, I, I was just going to say I agree that the small level design means... Yeah, mo- you can find most of the notes on the level without problem because, you know, it doesn't take three years to to traverse from one side of the... Yeah, there's there's the no other. notes but, that uh, are hidden in some, like, invisible little tiny gap. I mean, um, there are. There are some notes that are in some odd places that you have to find. Yeah, but they're not but, but particularly most of them are, fiendish, most of them right? are reasonable. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the only truly hidden things were, like, the... Um, were the, the life pieces. upgrades. Yeah, yeah, and those are non-essential to finishing the game, which I think is really good. Uh, they made the hardest things optional, and I think that lends itself well to a good way of designing challenge for the game. I mean, um, that being said, there were still a couple of levels where I did have to wander around looking for notes to get to 90%. It's not like I naturally found all of them automatically. Yeah. So I think that for the most part, the notes are in reasonable locations, but not all of them. Yeah, yeah. And so that small open level design kind of extends to all facets of the game. Even the tutorial, so if you compare tutorials from modern games to Banjo-Kazooie, modern game tutorials are quite linear, like they first teach you how to move, and then how to jump, and then how to do this, whereas the tutorial in Banjo is actually open and you can do it any way that you want, and I think that that kind of right off the bat encourages that sense of exploration that the game is going for. Uh, sure, I mean, I guess that makes sense. Uh, yeah, the you, the fact that you can go about things in uh, any order, good there is some sense of linear progression to the levels uh you sometimes have to unlock certain things to unlock further things but i'd say about half of the jiggies are available from the beginning of the level and the other half become available as you complete certain tasks and quests yeah like i I think i found that when you first explore a level one of the first things that i generally did was go around and build up a big checklist of things that i need to do and then the next half of my exploration was finding the answers to those questions. Like, right at the start of the desert level is a big tree that says he needs water. And so immediately you're like, okay, I should keep my eye out for something that provides water. And I think that they, those kinds of questions are front-loaded to the beginning of most of the levels. So you make that big list in your head and then you go around trying to solve the problems. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense to me. I I do think that the best ones were the one, the jiggies with a little kind of quest attached. Yeah. Because one of the, one of the problems I had with the game eventually was the fact that because the entire gameplay loop is just collecting bits, it's just collecting notes and jiggies. The, I guess, narrative motivation to do it is very lacking. Like, it's a very gamey sort of game. When you had to do a little sort of progression, and I think the best example of that is in Click Clock Wood, which has several of these where you... So so to introduce Click Clock Wood, which I think is the, the best level of the game by a significant margin, it's four instances of the same level, a big tree, but in different seasons. So different things are accessible in different seasons, like certain bits will be underwater, certain bits will be frozen over, depending on what the weather's like. Yeah, I I enjoyed getting a jiggy the most when I got to do things from season to season, because it felt like I was doing something, it felt like I was doing something that was uh, justified. I wasn't just finding a jiggy in order to open a portrait in order to get more jiggy. It felt like I was accomplishing a quest. 
Right, so one of, in Click Clockwood, uh, you enter the level and you're in this little hub that leads into four doors with an icon above each door that represents a season of the year. And the first one that is open is, I think, spring. And then you slowly unlock the rest of the seasons as you go. So one of the, I guess one of the quests that Patrick's talking about there involves a baby bird that in the first season is just an egg. So you hatch it out of the egg. And in the next, like, three seasons, you help to make it bigger and bigger and to grow. And then in that final season, it gives you a reward. Whereas a lot of the pieces are just kind of, like, lying there for you to pick up or, like, instantaneous feedback. Whereas this one takes maybe, like, 15 to 20 minutes of working towards it to get to. Well, well, they're either lying there or you do one thing and you get the jiggy. Yeah. So, and that's that's not very far removed from it either. It's more interesting when it's a multi-staged thing. Okay, because actually to me, I strong when, when I was a kid, I had very fond memories at that level, but actually replaying it, I actually, one of my least favorites probably, I did enjoy the kind of story progression, but having to do the exact same platforming challenges on the tree like four times over was really frustrating and boring to me. Yeah, you know how I mentioned briefly that I had quick save scummed at one point? Oh, that was did, a level where I quick save scummed. <laughs> yeah, because I was dying so much to the platforming. From falling off the tree? The camera made me want to smash my controller against the wall. I, I just hate the camera. and the. I don't have a problem with the double jumping or anything, but there were too many times where I'd try and do a jump and I'd miss the edge of a platform by like a millimeter. I'd fall to the bottom and I'd lose three quarters of... Really? Okay, so that's interesting yeah. to me because... To me, the camera was the least bad in that level of all the levels for because most of the platforming in that level is carved into the side of the tree, which kind of artificially forces you into an almost 2D perspective because it has a reduced requirement for 3D platforming. You just move left and right because the tree has platforms carved into it. So kind of like the the trunk of the tree acts as a wall you can't go past and that limits you to left and right movement, which is something... Yeah, but something you've still that, got the bit with the tree house. There's lots of little bits around the outside yeah, that sure. you know, you're putting yourself in serious danger. Because um, to me, a lot, a lot of the most recent 3D platformers... Mario Odyssey, Galaxy, etc. Do this thing where they lock your perspective to two dimensions because it's a lot easier to design difficult platforming sections in 2D than it is 3D. With 3D platforming, I feel that there's a very... There's like a gulf in the middle. It's really difficult to have moderately difficult platforming where it's really easy to have very easy platforming because you have so much freedom of movement of the controls. But if you then require precise jumps in 3D, it's a lot more complex to get the inputs right, correct? Well, I mean, I think most of the difficulty in the game comes from the bad camera controls. Like if you fix up the camera controls and, you know, the automatic tracking is annoying as well. You fix those up, the platforming becomes significantly easier and more yeah. forgivable. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think that the frustrating thing about the platforming in this game isn't intrinsically the platforming. I think it's fine. It's the fact that the camera is so bad. So they fix up the camera. It's probably a much more pleasant experience. Okay, sure. No, I, I, I can agree with that. So to continue discussing difficulty, I guess, uh, one of the things I noticed 
is that the game gives you options to increase the difficulty for more advanced players. Uh, early on in the game, you get access to a move that allows you to walk a lot faster, but you have much less fine control over your character. Essentially, um, because your player character is made up of two characters joined together, right? You're a bear and a bird. Uh, there's a move that the bear flips over onto his back and the bird uses its legs to walk around, which goes a lot faster, jumps a lot higher, but it's harder to have that kind of precision control. So what I found is... Once I got a little better at controlling my character, I spent the majority of the game using that walking uh, style because it made oh jumps a little bit Oh my god, the noise harder. it makes as it's walking around. <laughs> it's amazing, right? You love it. Ugh, it's so bad. How it's like when all about... the characters talk. But you didn't like that? It's I terrible. I, had... I had to take my headphones. Like, I, I don't know how you can enjoy that sort of verbal diarrhea. It's terrible. Yeah, because all the characters in this game talk with lots of grunts. Uh, they don't talk in dialogue, they just make kind of grunty noises constantly. Every and few microseconds. Yeah, yeah, and I guess I played this game as a kid, right, so I have that as a fond memory of being kind of silly and funny. Oh, um, uh, yeah, I mean, it fits in aesthetically with the charm. I just found it annoying. Yeah, sure. So how did you feel about the how cohesive the design was in terms of that aesthetic? Because it's got you mean a very... the aesthetic. The aesthetic. The aesthetic is one of the best parts of the game. Um, yeah, it's, it's got this very, very European fairy tale feel to it, right? It's very stylish. It all fits in. Um, it's very bright and colorful. In a lot of ways, it, the, there's a problem with 3D games from that era, and that they look incredibly clunky because it was in a time before 3D graphics were properly. Uh, <laughs> properly yeah. rendered and detailed but it didn't bother me at all with kazooie because of how it was very much a style stylistic looking game and it was stylistically cohesive yeah so yeah like it's got that fairy tale inspiration heaps of the characters talk in rhyme the whole time uh yeah, that's, did you that's did, whatever like it's if just... you listen did you listen to the music in the lair very much did you notice what the theme was uh i don't know what you mean no so every for the music in the game uh the music essentially consists of a single tune that the instruments and the pitch of the instruments change depending where you are so the the notes will be the same but it sounds different like if you're underwater the music sounds muted if you're in this dark alley it swaps from this bombastic tone to this really like quiet and um kind of like tense sounding music near the halloween level for example and one of the the key things is that the theme is actually um, is actually Teddy Bear's Picnic, which you know ties in like you're playing as a bear, right? Like so, they play Teddy Bear's Picnic throughout the entire game, varied with different. Oh uh, yeah, that, that, yeah. I, I didn't know that, but that does make sense. To me. It's cohesive, right? Like every section is the same, but with that different instrument styling, and that's not just limited to the hub world either. Every level is like that as well. So I will point out that there's no separate volume slider for the music. So I um, actually had to listen to most of the game with my headphones around my shoulders because I found the music extremely annoying. Really? 15, okay. second, 15 second music loops are just not, it is not particularly nice to listen to for hours on end. Like it's fine. I don't think the music's bad. It's just annoying to listen to it endlessly. And I appreciate all the subtleties and all that, but come on. Give me, give me a volume slider. Let me turn it all the way. So if I wanted to listen to the game on a decent volume, I had to listen to the music, and that was too much for me to handle. So 
I um, yeah, had my headphones around my ears. I'd put them on every now and then, but couldn't handle it for very long. <laughs> yeah, so that's in, uh, that's in stark contrast to me, who, after I finished the game, spent the next, like, four days humming the soundtrack to myself. Like, Oh, I'm... don't get me wrong, it's it's catchy, because it, after I listened to it, I was, I was you know, was stuck in my head, but it's just not, you know, it's just not particularly compelling. Like, I, I don't have a problem with it, it's just not really my thing. So as for we go into more the aesthetic side of things, how did you like the way that they kind of like... The story's very simple, right? Um, but I think they did a good job of building the villain up a little bit by having her... She essentially talks shit to the player, like, throughout the entire game. She just interrupts what you're doing with some, like, little insult. And the whole the whole hub world has, like, statues and pictures of the villain just to, like keep you like reminded why you're actually there the whole time honestly i was pretty apathetic to all that the the thing is the thing that dominates my mind when i think about me is that it's a game about collecting notes okay like there's there's no real rhyme or reason to it you're just collecting notes collecting jiggy so you can eventually eventually confront the villain and she's a bit of fun i guess i mean she's saying right and everything but i didn't really care like i wanted to as I was doing each level, I'm like, I need 90 notes and I need eight jigsaw pieces. Why do I need that? So I can open more worlds with the <laughs> jigsaw pieces and open more doors. Um, yeah, it's the classic get stuff so you can get more stuff thing, right? Yeah, so yeah, the the overarching story couldn't really care less about. I thought they might do do something clever, like have 2D be in Gruntle's body, because the whole idea behind the story is that she's trying to switch bodies. And I thought they might have already done that, but in the end, it's not clever at all. It's just yeah. So getting to the show. getting to the end, how did you feel about the the last two segments of the game? So once you finish the final platforming level, you're immediately greeted with this big portal, which takes you to a giant board game. And the giant yeah, board it's like game, a game is, show is like, yeah, it's like a game show, and each square on the board presents you a question, and the question asks the player about something that they've seen in the game. For example, it'll show you a picture and ask you, which level is this? Or it'll make you play a mini-game again from the game, or it will... A much harder you... version of the mini-game, for the yes, record. Yes, and it will give you a voice clip and say, which character is this? Something like that. And then you need to get... Uh, and you, loo- you lose health every time you get something wrong, and it gets sent back to the start if you die. So how did... Did you enjoy that? I thought it was some... I like, enjoyed it apart fun. from the death spaces, because I <laughs> yeah. got right to the end. <laughs> and then it asked me a question like... How many how many squares are on this board? And I'm like, are you kidding me? Oh, I got I got that one right first try. It was like, yeah, I'm a god. Yeah, well, I was right at the end. I got Completely like, guess though, yeah, <laughs> yeah, because oh there's squares god. that if you so get them wrong, it instantly kills you. And there's yeah. two right. Great, great design, great design, Banjo. I, I Apart will from that it was fine. Yeah, I, had I to will get... admit I died uh, like a couple times on the game board, but you know it's fun. One of the things I was wondering was one of the spaces on the game board asks you trivia questions about the villain and throughout the the game world there's an npc you can talk to that provides you these facts and like without knowing about the game board it would be very easy just to like completely skip this npc's dialogue did you do that i i listened to the first couple i'm like what and the then hell you, is this? And then yeah. I stopped listening to it. <laughs> yeah, because I knew the game board was coming up, so I specifically like went out of my way to read all of them so I wouldn't get trapped. Honestly, I um I guess correctly most of those anyway. I think I okay. got one wrong. You could you could pretty much figure it out. 
Yeah, okay. And so after you beat the game, but like it's fun, right? Do you still think it's fun at the moment? Like Yeah, it was alright. I, I didn't really have a problem with it. I, I admit I struggled with the music question for uh reasons I guess are pretty obvious. Like uh what um bad what, taste what in music. I think that's the reason. <laughs> uh but it was fine. I mean the only bit which I thought was particularly clever was when one of the questions is in regards to their voices and Gruntilda calls them disgusting voices. Yeah. But when she when the question is about her voice, she says fabulous voice. So it's pretty obvious who it is. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, the whole game mode is against you, right? Like every time you get something right, they boo you, and every time you get yeah. something wrong, it cheers. Like it yeah, was all right. I mean, at the end of the day, it's just a trivia test. Like yeah. it's it's a it is probably a good way to, to um, end the game. To, if it, if it's a game about exploration and it's asking you about the characters and everything, sure. Yeah, but, I think... you know how how important is it remember remembering how a particular character's name is spelled with an O or an A? Like I don't know, it it seems a little a little irrelevant, but you yeah, know I think it's fine. I don't. Yeah, know I think it really well tied into kind of being the like the end of your exploration. So yeah, after yeah. the game it's, board, it's a fine thing. So after the game board, you go into the final boss fight, and I'm interested to hear your opinions on that well, because it's well let's long. talk about before you go into the final boss fight because i know that you had collected all of the jiggies that you needed or all but two yeah or something. i got through every correct? single door immediately yeah so so when you finish the game you have money required maybe even so i had 80 i had 98 so, at that point sure so i had 80 so i had to go back through all of the levels again and find a lot of the jiggies that i missed and this was like I disliked it. It was uh, it was frustrating having to go through all those levels again. Some of them were not too bad, fun, you know, getting some of those jiggies, but some of them I was just running around a level hoping to find something and it sucked. So once again, the high bar and percentage for completion is really frustrating. I just want to duck back a bit because there was a level that I didn't have many jiggies on and there was a reason for and didn't have many notes on and there was a reason for it. And can I guess? The... Can I guess? Can I guess? Yeah, you can guess. It was Clanker's Cavern, right? Correct. Yeah, the the third oh level in the God. game. Oh my God! The third level oh. in the game uh, takes place in a big waste disposal facility, and in the middle is a giant metallic shark uh, that's apparently the main antagonist's trash compactor, right? Uh, and it's a primarily swimming focused level. And, and swimming I'm go- is the before worst. Patrick, yeah, before he even discusses this, I'm going to agree because I know these swimming controls are not great. They are probably terrible. Probably the one part of the game that I actively dislike. Um, I stopped playing the game for two days. Yeah, I hated I it so that. much. <laughs> there's there's a bit in this where you where you have to go down 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 very deep, right? And there's a fish down there shooting up uh, bubbles of air because you know it's got an oxygen system. And in a normal game. If you got that bubble of air, it would replenish your oxygen to full, right? Not Banjo-Kazooie. You get <laughs> one bar out of six of your oxygen back. And picking up the notes on the bottom of there while trying to pick, pick up the oxygen bubbles, oh, it's just it's just terrible. Yeah, I, 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 I will, agree here. This is, I will that say is... the flying controls aren't much better either, but the no, swimming controls aren't. are in a league of their own. That yeah, is that so was absolutely the worst part of the game for me, was that little bit down there. Um, so... So having to go back and do some of these levels was just... I just did not want to touch it with a 10-foot pole. But the game forced me to because you need 94 out of 100 jiggies to actually fight the final boss. I asked James if I had to do it, and he said yeah. 
Oh. <laughs> I mean, the final boss is important, right? It's gameplay. And it's pretty unique gameplay to the whole game, too. Um, so, continuing that discussion on Clanker's Cavern, the underwater level. Uh, yeah, I, I specifically made sure I got everything so I never had to go back in there. I didn't... Once I got past that little bit you explained before, where you have to go right down to the bottom, I didn't find it so bad. Like, everything yeah, else was fine. Yeah, because you don't have to be underwater anymore. Yeah, but that, that bit was actually awful. Um, yeah. So, yeah. if that's your least favorite level, let's talk about the ones we liked the most. Because, for me, the best three levels were the ones in the center of the game. So, there's a swamp, a the ice level, and a desert. And the thing that yep. sticks out to me about these three levels is they're a little harder than the earlier ones. They don't particularly fe- they don't feature any swimming, which is a big plus. And they're all small, compact. And like I finished each one a hundred percent in like twenty minutes each. Like it was short, it was quick, and the challenges you had to do were fun and silly. I mean, to me, the best level by far is Click Clockwood, and it's not close. Okay. Uh, that level had the most going on narratively, which is why I enjoyed it. There was a thing where you had to um, plant a tree, plant an egg in a thing, and uh, there was a bit with the bird. There was a bit with the squirrel. There was a bit with the beaver. There are all these bits where you were interacting with them in different time periods. Yeah, so for, um, for example, like the beaver, uh, you start off and the beaver's underwater and there's a rock and the beaver, the rock is blocking the beaver's house and it can't get in. Next season, summer, the water level has gone down so you can destroy the rock for the beaver, which then in the next season means the water level goes back up again and you can go into the house and visit it for a reward. Because it's too steep a slope otherwise to get up yeah, there. And yeah. those, those were the things most. Um, I like the I like the ice level because the snowman was um, was an awesome thing to climb. Yes. It's just cool how it was uh, an interesting thing to climb with lots of little bits to the snowman with lots of little uh, collectibles all over it, depending on how high you are. And it just kept going up. Like yeah, it was yeah. huge. It it's huge. And. Up. The thing that allows that is the the double jump, which if you jump if you fall off a really high place, you can press double jump pretty close to the bottom, and then you won't take any damage. And I think as long as it's not too high, if you're too yeah. high, you will just fall. You'll go into free fall, and then you die. Yeah. Yep. Um, but it's pretty forgiving, and I think that works to the game's advantage. Um, um, yeah, I I really dislike the flying though. I don't know if you enjoyed that, but yeah, that, that it's was very fiddly. with those levels. Yeah, exactly the same as the swimming controls, basically, but a bit faster. It's it's really hard to aim your character in a specific direction, and often the game required you to do so. Uh, there were these big snowman enemies with a big cross on their heads, mm-hmm. and you had to, uh, when flying, dive straight into those crosses to kill them, but it required, like enough precision that it was actually pretty annoying it was just trial and error it wasn't too interesting and the way um, you climb is you press a which consumes one of your feather collectibles and then you go up a set amount but yes. that's that's frustrating you don't have fine control over it it's like every time you get too low you have to press a and then you jump up into the air and then you you're doing twirls trying to hit something it, it's just you just don't have fine control over it, which is frustrating when certain areas need fine control. While we're on the topic of that snow level, um, there was one jigsaw piece that stood out to me in particular, which mm. is a race against a big polar bear on a toboggan, and you essentially have to race it through 
all these little checkpoints that you have to hit in order to continue. Now, you do the race twice, and the first time, you know, it's pretty easy. The second time took me forever to beat it. How did you go That's with so that? so weird. I did really? on my third try. Yeah, the, I, I don't... Really? I don't, okay. Yeah, because you, you said, you told me that you, you were talking about this race level as it was like... <laughs> This big thing, and I'm like, well, I found everything I in the I game quite understand. easy, and then I got to that race, and I just, I don't know. I there was something there's about some one of the weird jumps. rubber banding. I think yeah, yeah. I had to, it, I had to resort to body blocking, like standing in front of the polar bear to slow it down in order to win. Um, yeah, I, um, I would always I, start off very far ahead, and then it would catch up, and I'd lose. So on each time I attempted it, the first two attempts I was right behind. Third attempt, I beat him. Um, I fell behind fairly significantly in all three bits. Like, I missed a flag and had to run back and do it. And I think that there must be a rebanding thing. Yeah, if I guess you, maybe that... If maybe... you fall behind at the right point, which I just did coincidentally, he slows down for you to catch up and overtook him. So, yeah, okay. it was... Maybe it was that's a why I struggled, because at the start I was I was better than Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was very, very much a non-event. I, I didn't find any individual thing in the game too hard except for the final boss fight. Okay, there are some mini-games which... I uh, the mini-games on the game board I found hard. The normal mini-games, though, so... Yeah, the hardest mini-game is probably the one with the crocodile. There's oh, yeah, a... yeah, I lost that a couple of times. Yeah, yeah, so essentially you're in a big room and there's two different colored blobs and the game will say collect red ones and so you collect red ones while there's an npc also collecting red ones it's, and then it's like switch. a mario party mini game it's just yeah it uh, is and that was fun the, uh, the hardest mini game was when i had to spell banjo kazooie backwards and i had like 50 <laughs> seconds 50 seconds to do it i was like is this some sort of sick joke yeah there's a big uh, there's a big level with letters on the floor that you have to like butt stomp in the certain yeah, but that, progress, that yeah. honestly yeah but the final boss fight i died like 15 times yeah same it was it's really hard and there's like there's like six phases to that fight so essentially yeah, but... you're fighting the big witch and then phase 1 she's diving at you on her broomstick which, you know, you step out of the side of the way, uh, and then you hit her a few times when she's vulnerable. I get it, It's interesting to me, because I think that kind of design holds up now, right? There's a boss, and it does a bunch of moves, which you have to avoid. Yeah, it's it's then... honestly, it reminded me of Dark Souls. Like, yeah, it it's, it's not it that really far did. removed. But it is not like Dark Souls, is that the controls are terrible. Absolutely terrible, particularly in that final bit. So on the final bit, uh, there's a move in Banjo where you shoot an egg forwards. And the very final bit of the of the game is you have to shoot eggs forward into slots of a statue. There's four sides to it. While taking enemy fire, like you get a small moment to breathe where you can do it, but you have to be constantly dodging back and forth. The problem is the control to shoot an egg is on the same stick that your camera's on and you have to be facing in the right direction to shoot the eggs already because the speed at which you turn is very slow. So you're fighting the camera at the same time you're trying to face the right direction. At the same time, you're jabbing the analog stick up and down to shoot the three or four eggs required. It's a complete nightmare. Like it made me legitimately how stupidly set up that fight was that's so funny to me because i found that super simple if you hold the button that centers the camera behind you you can essentially use the left stick to aim 
Um, so we're playing on an emulator, right? So we, on the N64, there are four directional buttons that we instead had bound to the right analog stick. So when I was playing, I would be using that button to center the camera, use the left analog stick to aim, and then, you know, it's fine for me. What I did find was pretty obnoxious in that fight was the third phase requires you to be in the air and to do those dive bombs similar oh to Starman at that. It wasn't hard. Like, it's basically impossible to die in that phase, or I thought it was, but it's just so hard to hit the target consistently. So it just yeah, takes ages it, and it's it would be... Once again, to me, the controls are getting in the way of having time. Like, I, that was my overwhelming sense playing this game. It's like, there's a good game here. It's just, I can't get at it because the controls are so terrible. Right, okay. Because I found that generally just moving back and forth was really responsive. Double jumping was fine. Um, yeah, but the camera was terrible. terrible and, you know, yeah. all the combat moves sucked. Well, uh, the, the combat moves were sucked. specifically really forgiving. They actually, when you attack, they've got lots of active frames, like you're attacking for like a full second in which... You can't be hurt, and the enemy can be hurt. So yeah, but that's not responsive, though. That's the opposite of responsive. You're locked into this attack going in a particular direction. Okay, that's and interesting. Because to me, whereas if if you just did a single punch and then I could move again, that would feel far more responsive to me. Instead, you're locked into these long attack animations where you can't change direction. Yeah, and that's fine to me. So if we bring up the if we go back to that idea of Dark Souls, a lot of the moves in that game have this kind of, you attack, and then there's like a split second where you're vulnerable. And to me, Yeah, that's but you get to good. choose the weapon you have. Like, you can choose a big heavy weapon, or you can choose a small fast weapon. Yeah, and in Banjo, you can choose to shoot enemies from afar. You can choose to use the pack, uh, I didn't. The I barely did that, because it felt so awkward for me. Okay. Because I, for me, the attack that I used the most was the one where you... You jump, and then you do three little pecks with the bird. Yeah, that was far and away the strongest move. Yeah, uh, and then I guess there's one where you stand in place and swipe your hands. I pretty much never used that. But I mean, the yeah, combat I, was super felt, simple, right? Yeah, yeah. so the thing to me is that the combat was a waste of time and not fun. The, um, the platforming was largely not super fun. It was all right. There were some bits I liked better than others, but the imprecision caused by the camera. Camera made you. Issues for me. Yeah. So, 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 with that in mind, overall, did you like the game? Yeah, like, um, so basically, I would recommend Banjo Kazooie. I think that at the end of it, when I when I reflected on how I felt, I did have a fun time. But there are so many little things that annoyed me about the game. Yeah. The controls, the camera, the high percentage collection, the fact that if you left a level, you had to collect stuff again, the fact that you couldn't easily keep track of what you'd actually done on a level and what you hadn't done on a level. All all of this stuff contributed to it being a very frustrating experience for me, even though I did enjoy a lot of what I was doing. I enjoyed the exploration. I liked how the levels were filled with stuff uh, and weren't spread out in this enormous way. I just, and I can see why people want this sort of game to be updated in a modern way. Because yeah, if you exactly. those issues, I can see it being a, a brilliant game. But I just got very, very frustrated. So, yeah, from what you were saying, it seems to me that the game is flawed. 
But the like the whole idea of having a super collection focus game could be done better, right? It's not as if the genre is so heavily flawed that it couldn't be improved. If someone was to do a game like that today, like make Banjo 3, uh, God hope, um, they could do it and fix up those issues, right? Uh, so returning to the idea of like games as exploration, a game like Banjo will never be my favourite because the thing about the exploration in Banjo is that it's almost compelled. You kind of go everywhere. You don't have a main path and then optional exploration. Yeah. You kind of, the game is you should explore everywhere and do everything. My favourite games with exploration are ones that have a main a main path and then if you so choose you can explore because that feels more i don't know it, it feels more like i'm exploring if i don't have to do it to finish the game banjo okay. feels like the whole because the whole game is going everywhere you have to go everywhere and that that's that's how i approached each level i did everything on every level that i could because i had to not because i wanted to okay yeah for me kind of just the first few moments of the level are the best, right? Because you, you don't really have a goal. You just run around, you do what you want, and then you get to the point where you're like, okay, I've done all this stuff that I wanted to see. Now I have to go tick these boxes. And I guess yeah. Yeah, that is the way, that is the point where it starts to dip in fun. Yeah, I, I mean, I like the freeform nature of it, but the fact that you have to do everything anyway means that you're just choosing the order in which you do all the things. You're not yeah. choosing which things to do. In terms of the kind of like comparing the shapes of the levels to modern day, I if I played a game like an open world game today, the levels would be way bigger than Banjo, have less stuff to do in them. And like to me, I really liked the open design that was really small and compact. I think that was very good. I think that to me, open world games are flawed. And while this game isn't completely open world, the open level structure really lends itself to that small design. There's no wasted space. It's all yeah, it's all very dense and compact and well. Yeah, put you go together. anywhere without it feeling without it feeling super cramped. You still yeah. have distinct bits in each level. I completely agree. Um, and yeah, open world games with a bazillion things on a minimap spread out everywhere that take 10 minutes to go from one check marker to the other, that's not a good gameplay experience. You're just, yeah. you're just wasting people's time. As and like half the time in those games, the collectibles don't feel like they do anything. Like, I don't feel good when I pick stuff up in other games. Or in Banjo, everything I pick up has a purpose and helps me. Well, that's not, that's not true. The, the, the only thing you really care about picking up are notes and jiggies. The the other stuff is largely. I uh, I had a very low egg count throughout the entire game because I used them all the time. So oh, okay, I like eggs. I like barely ever use. Yeah, and the gold feathers, which make you invulnerable for a short amount of time, I used that yeah, a lot as well. Barely ever use those two. I, yes. I didn't really use any of the, so they were just window dress. Okay. Every now and then I'd get low and I'd pick up eight and I'd be fine. But on the whole. They kind of, I just ignored them. They just it, all I cared about was getting the notes and jiggies as I progressed through the levels. I mean, why do you even need a turn and vulnerable? Why it's do you need fun. a few there, 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 I don't think there's a mechanical situation apart from a couple of specific platforming challenges that requires it. But I just well, used it on some enemies because I could, honestly. Okay, sure. I, um, yeah, I just never felt the need to. So from us discussing this, something that's become pretty clear to me is that I really like the act of picking things up just by itself. Like, I think that's fun. Uh, it's not difficult, but like the sound effects and just the running around and the freedom you get is really 
like good feedback for me. You, you don't feel the same though, right? I mean, it's fine, but when I'm collecting collectibles in games, I far prefer if there's something more tangible. It's like some some sort of uh, direct reason to be collecting these things apart from just progressing. So the thing about the gameplay loop of Banjo is that you're collecting notes in order to open doors that contain jigsaws and you're collecting jiggies to use on the jigsaws to open the worlds to collect notes to open the doors. That's the entire game. That's why you're collecting yeah, it's a big circle if I'm playing, treadmill, right? Yeah, if I'm playing a game like, I don't know, uh, a more modern game like Prey from 2016, I think, I'm collecting hypostims to upgrade my character and make them more powerful. If I'm playing Doom, I'm exploring and collecting ammo to shoot the enemies or health to get my health back. If I'm playing Hollow Knight, I'm getting charms to make my character more powerful and health upgrades and mana upgrades. There are reasons to explore and find these things that give you tangible upgrades. With Banjo, you're collecting so you can collect more. And to me, that's a lot less satisfying. So you like the health upgrades in Banjo? Because that sounds like the same thing that you just discussed, right? Yeah, yeah the, the health upgrades in Banjo were the best and most interesting for me to find. Most of the times when I found them, I did feel a sense of accomplishment, not only because they gave me a tangible because they were deviously hidden a lot of them, some very, very clever places that were not obvious at all. Some, some of them were easier to find, but when you found one of the ones that was like very cleverly hidden, you, you felt like you'd earned yeah, because the main difference between this game and, um, you know, even Mario 64, which came out at the same time, is that the platforming is easier because the whole game is picking stuff up. That is the game. So I guess it really, like, whether you enjoy this game or not really heavily hinges on, hinges on whether you like that feedback from the items or not. Yeah, so I pretty much have hit every point I wanted to cover. Was there anything else that you stood out to? Uh, there's just one more minor thing, another minor complaint, and I have many of them. Um, the, <laughs> the the draw distance is really bad for a game for a yes. game about exploration and finding collectibles. You have to get really, really close to the collectibles to actually see them. So as you're looking down from these high points, you can't actually set the uh, outline of the level. Even when you're within about 20 meters of things, you can't see them. You have to be practically on top of them to see them. And I understand that's probably that's probably a restriction of the Nintendo 64 hardware or whatever, but when you're trying to find the last couple of notes and you can't see them to your right on top of them, yeah, that's annoying. So you're telling me you don't think it adds to having to scour every level, every nook and cranny of the level? <laughs> what did you did you like the terrible draw distance? No, 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 no. Oh, okay, good. Uh, that that is something that would again, you know, definitely not be seen if this game was made today. Yeah, uh, what else? Skip the terrible cutscenes, because I tried to skip them and couldn't. Uh, you can uh, skip them. You, you can, can skip them? You can skip them, you just have oh. to press a combination of buttons. Okay, because I was pressing skip... lots of buttons and I couldn't skip them. I'm like, god damn it. Yeah, you can skip, skip every conversation um, just by pressing uh... three buttons at the same time. But I'm glad I didn't tell you, because the conversations yeah, I... are great. I can tell you didn't uh, tell me all. <laughs> um, so yeah, I guess we've hit everything we wanted to cover. So final, final summarized thoughts for you? Uh, yeah, uh, good potential, frustrating experience. I'd like to see them take a crack at it again to get rid of all my many, many frustrations to see if uh, it's a more enjoyable experience at the end of it. 
I still never think I'll be in love with these sorts of games because of the compelled exploration as opposed to optional exploration. But I'd probably play it and enjoy it. If- yeah, for me, the game's like great at fulfilling that exploration fantasy. Like you're lost, well, not lost, but you're wandering around in this whimsical world, uh, collecting, picking up stuff. Because like even the little sounds each item made when you pick them up were pleasant to me. So I, I could just run around picking stuff up for hours on end, honestly. And, you know, the only thing that I really have to complain about is maybe they could have included some harder platforming sections, but otherwise I love it to death. Yeah. All right. Well, that about wraps it up for today. We'd like to thank you once again for listening to the second episode of our Retrospectors podcast. It was a lot of fun talking about this and you got to hear a very serious difference in opinion between uh, James and uh, we're very eager once again for any feedback or criticism, whether it be about audio quality, what we're talking about, our point of views, or even if there's anything we missed. So uh, if you'd like to drop us a comment, please send us an email at retrospectivespodcast at gmail.com. Or visit our website at rspodcast.net. We will continue to release episodes fortnightly, with our next episode being about an actual good game. Unlike oh, yeah. Zui. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be doing Prince of Persia Warrior Within from 2004. This was one of my favorite games growing it up, and I think it's definitely a standout title from the PS2 era. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. So, until then, thanks for taking the time to listen, and we'll see you in two weeks. See ya.